At this time, if you would open up your Bible, join us in the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 10, um, beginning at verse 11. If you didn't bring a Bible, take the one out in front of you. And if you do not own a Bible, take it home. It is our gift to you so that you have the hope of God wherever you go. Um, Join us now as we read John chapter 10, beginning at verse 11. These are Jesus' words. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life Down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today is is week four in the season of Lent that leads us to Easter, 40 days plus Sundays, and we're in our fourth week of our Lenten sermon series, which the title is I Am. It's walking through the seven I Am statements that Jesus makes about himself in the Gospel of John. I am blank. It's the way that he fills in the blank. And what we've learned so far is we've spent quite a bit of time in the Old Testament because we've learned that what he says is very significant to the people that he's speaking to and therefore significant to us as well. Even the words I am are significant because they refer back to the way in which God gave a name for himself to Moses. Yahweh comes from the Hebrew I am. It's to say God is God. There is no way in which we can describe God I am. And yet if we fast forward over a millennium, Jesus uses these same words to refer to himself. And then he begins to fill in the blank and show us a little glimpse of what God looks like. In John chapter 14, Jesus, one of the I am statements is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says that. And in the same context, he says this, anybody who has seen me has seen the Father. I love the song that we sing. I am a good, good Father, right? That's, that's the Father that we're seeing as we look into the face of Jesus. We're looking into the face of God. And so let's just do a very brief recap. What have we learned so far? What does God look like? Jesus said, I am the, now let me just say them with me, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Last week he said, I am the gate or the door and today he's going to say I am the good shepherd and I point out the word good because of all the statements so far it's the first one that includes an adjective I am a good 
shepherd. He doesn't say, I am good bread. He just says, I am the bread of life. I imagine it's because he knows that nobody's going to assume that he is pumpernickel bread, right? Rye bread. How many of you like pumpernickel bread? Show of hands. Okay, way more people than I thought. Way more people, especially at the first service. They said it's on sale at Piggly Wiggly this week, too. I learned some things. You might not like it. Pumpernickel, actually, in the, the German, the two German words that make up that word, do you know what they mean? Maybe, does anybody know this? Okay, so the first half of it is, is the word for flagellants. <laughs> And the second half is the word for Nicholas, which was a name that refers to Satan. And so pumpernickel bread is known as Satan's farts. So that has nothing to do with my sermon, but that's all you're going to remember when you leave church. I don't know what we talked about, but pumpernickel bread, I know what that means now. Google it if you don't believe me. Jesus doesn't say I am a specific kind of bread. He doesn't say I'm good bread. He just says I am bread and I am the bread of life. In your mind, what do you think about? You, you think about warm. You think about satisfying. You think about fulfilling bread. He doesn't say I am the good light because there's either light or there's the absence of light. He doesn't say I am the good gate or door. You're either in or you're out. And so when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, it implies to us that there's got to be some alternative out there, isn't there? There's got to be a bad shepherd. And so I thought, let's start talking about the bad shepherd before we talk about the good shepherd. We already talked about the devil's farts. It seems like it's kind of related, right? Right? And so let's talk about the bad shepherd. Actually, at the time of Jesus, there were a lot of bad shepherds, and this term of shepherd was a rich and well-known idea, not just to refer to a person who takes care of sheep, but it was also a term that was used to describe anyone in authority over other people, a king or other gods, anybody who the expectations on them are that they would take care of those underneath them like a shepherd takes care of a sheep. It's, it's, it's not unlike maybe today the president of the United States would be considered a shepherd. A parent would be considered a shepherd. Your boss at work might be considered a shepherd. And when you think about all those examples, it's not hard to, to think about the fact that not every shepherd, not every president, not every parent, not every boss is a good shepherd all of the time, are they? And so we see that Jesus' own people, Israel, had their own experiences with bad shepherds. And in the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel actually wrote down words that God spoke into the bad shepherds at the time of Ezekiel. These are people who God had called to shepherd over the nation of Israel, the people. And they were bad shepherds. And so let me just read to you a few verses of just how bad they were. Woe to you! shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. 
And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth. And no one searched or looked for them. It's a pretty condemning description if you were a shepherd, isn't it? There's so many things. You just, just break it apart. These guys are they're taking advantage of the sheep by taking what is best for themselves. They're, they're not caring for anything under their authority. They don't even bandage the injured sheep when they get hurt. They're not concerned for the weak. And what happens to a sheep when they get hurt is they lose the, the flock, right? They get lost or, or maybe they break their leg and it gets infected and they could possibly Die. If a sheep runs away, the shepherds don't even care. They don't even know. They're not even counting. They don't even notice one is lost unless one gets in their way and then they harshly force the sheep back. These shepherds are so bad that, that they don't even, they're not even able to accomplish the most basic responsibility. You don't even need to go to college to be a shepherd to know that the most basic task of any shepherd is to keep the sheep together, right? And yet these shepherds have allowed their sheep to get out everywhere. They're being attacked by wolves. They're going hungry. Some can't find water. I think about today how treating an animal like they are treating these people would be considered inhumane, illegal Treatment. Several days a week, I drive by the Lakeland Animal Shelter right on Highway 67. Um, and just, just FYI, we're going to have them out at the Pet Blessing again at the park this year. Um, and they always bring puppies. And so I'm telling you that for two reasons. Uh, first of all, some of you don't even know that you want a puppy yet. But you're going to meet a puppy, and you're going to get a puppy this summer. The second reason I always tell people, I'm just warning you, if you don't come to church yet Sunday, we will sign you up for a puppy. So just work your vacation around that or come home to a nice new furry friend. But anyway, I, I drive by there several times a week, and if I drive by at the right time, I will see volunteers out there walking the dogs. And they're always on a leash. Why? Because 67 is a busy street. And so they're protecting them from the danger that's there. And I know that they're going to bring them inside the shelter where they're going to have a warm place to sleep and they're going to get a meal to eat. These are animals that don't even have a home yet. They don't even have a family and they are being treated better by volunteers then these shepherds are treating their flocks, and it is their job. They're getting paid to do this. And let's not forget that Ezekiel is not speaking to shepherds of sheep. He's speaking to shepherds of people. He's speaking to those who have been placed in authority over the people of God, the people God loves the people God has set apart for himself, the people that God has a purpose for. These are bad shepherds. And they're not going to be the last bad shepherds. Israel is going to be led by bad shepherd after bad shepherd after bad shepherd for generation after generation right up until the time of Jesus. And that is why Jesus doesn't just say, I am a shepherd. He has to tell them. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life 
for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The people listening knew shepherds like Jesus is describing all too well. And I think, man, I know shepherds like that too, don't you? Have you ever worked for a boss that cared more about themselves than the people that they were entrusted to care over? You know, we get so fed up with politics these days, right? Some people throw up their hands and say, ah, politicians are useless. But do you know why we get so upset with them? Because we expect them to be good shepherds. That's why we get upset with the president, right? No matter who it is, right? We get upset because we don't believe that they are shepherding us as people or the resources that they have been entrusted with the way that's going to take care of us. And so we get upset because we believe that they are bad shepherds. And so Jesus says, not only am I here to be bread to feed you, Not only have I come to be light in a world of darkness, not only am I the door to let you in to my shelter, but John 10, 14, again, a second time, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus doesn't say, I am the good shepherd once. He says it multiple times, as if he's taking the people that are listening to him who have been beaten down and hurt and taken advantage of into his arms and saying, I know you've had bad shepherds. I know all about every bad shepherd you have. I know about every instance where you have been a victim where you have been taken advantage of by someone who has authority and power over you, where you have been rejected, where you have been harmed. And so he takes him into his arms and he says, trust me, I am not like them, I am good. I am the good shepherd. But don't just take my word for it. Jesus says, you will know that I'm the good shepherd because I will die to protect you. I will die to protect you and then you'll know that you are mine and I am yours and you, I am good. That is what it means to be the good shepherd which leaves us with a question that I want you to ask yourself and I'll ask you again at the end and that is do you want Jesus to be your good shepherd? Do you want Jesus we all know bad shepherds do you want Jesus to be your good shepherd because if Jesus is your shepherd, let's follow the metaphor, if he's going to be your shepherd, what does that make you, anybody? A sheep. And I don't know about you, but but I'm not so sure that I want to be a sheep. (laughs) I'm not so sure. There's a lot of things I'd rather be. I'm not so sure that I want to be a sheep. That means I'm going to have to give some things up. And and I said at the very beginning of this series, I asked you to fill in the blank for yourself. When, when we say, I am blank, what would you say, right? Like, there's all sorts of ways you can answer that question. I, I am a parent. I am a spouse. I am good. I am bad. I am whatever. However you feel, right? And what I said was, was that the way Jesus answers the I am statements is going to have an influence on the way you answer your own I am statement. If he is the good shepherd, and if he is your good shepherd, then you will say, I am a sheep. And I'm not so sure 
that we all want to be sheep. I'm not so sure I want to be a sheep. And this was kind of put in my face this week. I was reading my daily devotional. And in that devotional, every day there's just a little scripture passage and they're always random. And it happened to be the same passage from John 10 in The Good Shepherd. And the author, it was a very strange um, thing, but it, was, it ended up being really good. The author said, talked about the concept of a spirit animal. Now, I don't know anything about spirit animals, but, but they talked about spirit animals. And what it reminded me of was my mother-in-law. And here's why. My mother-in-law is a very deep thinker, my wife Alyssa's mom. And one of the things that she does, one of these traditions that we have in her side of the family, is she thinks long and hard and discerns what animal best represents each person in the immediate family. And so when we were dating, I knew that I wasn't really fully accepted into the family until her mom gave me an animal. And so we were together for a couple of years, and I came, I'm not making this up. I came to her house one day, her parents' house, and her mom said to me, I think I know what animal you are. And I, I had all these ideas. Is it going to be majestic? Oh, I can't wait. I know everybody gets an animal, right? Am I going to fly in the sky? Am I going to swim in the sea? Am I going to be big and strong? What am I going to be? And so it was so exciting. We sat down, and she said, Tom, I know what animal you are. I've thought long and hard, and I've prayed about this. I believe that your animal is... Tigger. I'm not making this up. I thought, Tigger? I'm glad you're laughing. Like, I feel this feels good, right? This is helpful. Because here's the thing. So just to give you some context. Alyssa, my wife, is a lion, right? And so if she's a lion, right, like, like there's so many other options, aren't there? Like, like, couldn't I be a stallion or an eagle or a dolphin or, I don't know, there's all sorts of things, but, but Tigger, like, that's not even a real animal, right? It's not even real. Does she know this, right? And so I had some questions. I don't remember. I should ask her if she remembers my disappointment. And I asked her to explain, why am I Tigger? And she said, well, because, Tom, you're kind of like a tiger, right? When you're serious, you're kind of like a tiger. But I, I couldn't pick tiger because you're harmless. And you even have a fun side. And so I feel like you are Tigger. And, and I didn't like it at the time. But, you know, over the years, I kind of like it. I, I thought, you know what? There's worse things to be called. I'm glad I'm not Eeyore, right? <laughs> I will take Tigger. That's okay. And so I'm reading this devotional about spirit animals and the Good Shepherd. And the writer says this. He says that according to Jesus, we have all been given a spirit animal. And your mother-in-law doesn't get to pick. <laughs> and the spirit animal that God has given us is through Jesus. And you know what that animal is? It's a sheep. It's a sheep. And, 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 and now that I go full circle, I'm like, you know what? Actually, Tigger doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> because I don't want to be a sheep either. <laughs> right? Like, let's just break this down. What do you know about sheep? Oftentimes, people think sheep are dumb. Right? Now, I don't think they really are. But, but people have that perception about them. They are certainly stubborn. And domesticated sheep need constant 
protection and care or they will die. For example, if they don't get a haircut, their wool will grow to such an extent that they will overheat and it will attract parasites like ticks and maggots. That's why my hair is so short because <laughs> Alyssa doesn't want me bringing maggots home. So, no, <laughs> it's a good thing I don't have that problem. I'm not making that up. Like, if you don't shear sheep, that's what will happen. They will go wander off somewhere, and they will literally die. And so when I think about that, I think, man, I'm going to pick my mother-in-law over God's word, (laughs) which might sound like a safer example sometimes, right? I'm going to pick Tigger. I want to be Tigger all day long instead of a sheep. And so if I got to give up being Tigger... If I'm going to have to give up being Tigger and become a sheep, it's, it's not going to be because I want to be a sheep. It's going to be because if I become a sheep, I get to follow the good shepherd. If I get to follow him, I'll be anything. I'll be anything. And, and the picture that I, I found here is the reason why. And there's so many pictures when I, when I was looking for a picture to express who the good shepherd is, what I was looking for is the one that you've probably often seen before, right? The picture of Jesus holding the lamb or holding the sheep, right, in his arms. And it's warm and it's cozy. And I think that's all true and that's all wonderful. But that's not what I was looking for. And, and, and I, was, I saw that one too and I found this one and I was like, no, this is the one. This is the lost sheep by Al- Alfred Seward. And, and it was painted back in 1898, same year that St. John's Lutheran Church was founded. And there is Jesus there as the good shepherd going after the lost sheep because that's what a shepherd really does. That's who a shepherd really is. And and if I have to be a sheep to follow that shepherd, then I'll become a sheep. Jesus came to be the good shepherd for the sheep. And the flock that he came to gather is the flock that is scattered on the mountaintop in all these different places. And it is so much bigger than just Israel. So much bigger than just Israel. He says in verse 16, I have sheep that are not of this sheep, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. But the sheep are scattered. The danger and the darkness is real. And as Jesus calls them to himself, he knows that if they're going to follow him as the shepherd, then all of those dark, scary things are going to run after them on their way, which means they don't just need bread. They don't just need light. They don't just need a door. They need a shepherd. And not just any shepherd. They need a good shepherd. They need a shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep. And he will on the cross. That's what Jesus came to do. And it brings me back to the most well-known shepherd before Jesus in the Old Testament. It's the shepherd King David. You know King David, right? David, when he was younger, he was a shepherd. He was literally a shepherd of sheep. And then he grew up to become the shepherd of God's people, the king of Israel. He was the one that generations later they used 
as what they believed the next generation of a king and of a shepherd was going to be. He was the vision of a new and a greater and a stronger and a better king of Israel to come. That was King David. And yet how quickly we forget that when King David himself was king, he said, I am not the shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd. And in what's probably the most well-known psalm that he wrote, Psalm 23, he describes God as our shepherd from the very beginning. Psalm 23, verse 1, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, if you know anything about David, you know that this does not mean David did not go through seasons where he was lacking something. We all lack things, but with the Lord as our shepherd, the promise is that we will be okay, that he has us covered, that in him we have everything we need. And what is it that we need? The psalm continues. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I think about verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and I think about that as a, as a parent of young children. Our youngest is 18 months old. I make him lie down to go to bed at night, every single night, because that's what he needs. It's what will refresh his body. And it's not a forceful thing. Sometimes it is a forceful thing, right? Sometimes it is him maybe whimpering and running away and he knows it's coming, right? So what do we do? We've got this, this whole thing, right? Right? He gets a bath and then we change his clothes and we put on a fresh diaper and we make some warm milk and then we take him into his room and we rock him to sleep. We make him lie down. God makes you lie down Two, he makes us lie down in green pastures. Verse three, God guides us along the right paths for his name's sake. He guides us on the path because we don't know where we're going. I always think about, it's overused, but it's still beautiful, the footprints in the sand. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where this person looks back at their life and there's this journey and they see two sets of footprints and one set is their own and one set is the, the feet of Jesus and they see that but the worst times in life where it was so hard there's only one set of footprints and the person who's writing the poem is angry because they believe that that means that Jesus had abandoned them during those seasons when what they realize is that it was during the most difficult times that there was one set because the shepherd had picked up the sheep and carried him through that's what the shepherd does. He was with them all along. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. We will walk through dark valleys. There are people in this room right now that are walking through the darkest valley they've ever walked through today. 
There are some of us who will. There are some of us who have. We will experience evil. And so God does not promise us that those things on this side of eternity will go away. What he promises us is like a child, he will wrap his arms around us like a child in the middle of a thunderstorm. I love that as a parent. I love that as a parent. I have no control over the thunderstorm, but my child's attention, when they, when they allow me to wrap them in my arms, it, it becomes, their attention becomes on me, right? And not on the storm. And so when God grabs us and holds us in the midst of the deep, dark moments of the journey of life, it turns our attention away from the darkness and the storms to the bread and the light and the door and the good shepherd. And unlike me, as a father of children, a, a human father, God can change the storms. He can stop the wind and the rain and the promises that in his time he will. Verse 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's a shepherd's staff used for? You see it right there in the picture. It's used to guide and protect and direct and even rescue the sheep, right? Because God guides and protects and directs and rescues you and me. Verse 5, your presence you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The Lord as our shepherd is a better shepherd than any. This is the real reason why you get upset with presidents, okay? This is the real reason why we will always be on some level disappointed in anyone or anything that has been placed in authority over us because the Lord as our shepherd will do better than any president or any earthly parent ever could, instead of just simply defeating our enemies, the shepherd leads us to a table alongside them. Is that not an incredible image? The Lord reconciles us to himself and to others. Verse 6, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, King David, I think that the more authority that he had on his shoulders, the more he realized that he was not the authority to be. He could not do this on his own. He could not do it at all. There is a better shepherd. And what he didn't see and what we can see now is that the Lord would send his son Jesus to be that good shepherd. And that leaves you and me with the question I asked you before. Do you want Jesus to be your good shepherd? Because the reality is we all have shepherds. We all have shepherds. And, and, and if you don't know what your shepherd is, it's, it's whoever or whatever you look to, whatever you're looking to is the guiding force of your life. It's whatever you find rest in. It's wherever you find security. It's whatever supports you. That is your shepherd. That is your shepherd. It could be a person. They might not even be alive. It might be their voice in your head that every day you wake up in the morning and it's guiding you. It's directing you. You never lived up to their expectations. And so they are this shepherd inside of your mind. Of course, it can be a person, but it can also be something else. It could be your 
401k balance. That's my shepherd as long as I have enough. It could be your career. It could be your house. It can be how other people think of you. you you've, you've heard the saying before, right? That says you wouldn't worry so much about what other people think of you if you realized how little they actually think about you. Have you heard that before? I hate to tell you this. The stock market is not invested in protecting your future. It's not. Your job no matter how meaningful and significant it might be, it will be filled by someone else the second that you can't fill it anymore. And if you're living for the way that other people think about you, it's humbling, but it's true to realize that they're not thinking about you nearly as much as you think. But do you know who can't stop thinking about you? The Good Shepherd. The good shepherd has been thinking about you since before you were even conceived. He thinks about you even when you're not thinking about him. He is watching. He is following you. He is making sure that you are safe. He is covering over you, giving you what you need, not always what you want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And so let me invite you, would you consider, be a sheep. I know Tigger sounds like a lot more fun. <laughs> but Tigger isn't real. And it's not about us anyway, is it? It's about the good shepherd that we follow. And so I want you to think about that. I want you to consider what it would take for you to give up your other shepherds and follow Jesus as your good shepherd. And while we do this... You can close your eyes or you can watch the images on the screen. We're going to listen to the words of the 23rd Psalm. Let's listen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and the cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> 